Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. The UK Government's Secretary of State for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport, Nadine Dorries, put the future of public service broadcasting into doubt with an announcement that the licence fee would be frozen for the next two years. What would a change in funding mean for public service broadcasting in Wales, particularly for the Welsh language? Tonight, we discuss the future of public broadcasting and whether we should take these threats seriously. Joining us is Bethan Syed, former chair of the Senate Culture, Welsh Language and Communications Committee. Hello, Bethan. Hello, Shmai. Right. And we've got Tim Hartley, author and former director of corporate affairs at S4C. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Good to be here. Thank you very much for joining us. So let's talk about first the, the politics of this uh, announcement. Bethan, why do you think this is the direction of travel for the UK government in relation to public service broadcasting? Well, I don't think it's necessarily something new. I just think it's been rehashed because of circumstances around the unpopularity of the government and their shenanigans right now that this has reappeared. I think it's always been the Conservative government's aim to demarketize, to um, make sure that they can try and create um, more commerciality uh, in the broadcasting media sector. Um, and this is just clarifying that. And so everybody's been saying in Wales, well, it's amazing because SOC has had £7.5 million extra, but this isn't as much as what they had in 2010. We all know that. So I do agree with Richard Jones, who said uh, this was the institutional equivalent of a human shield for the UK government, because if they say, on one hand, we want to attack the BBC, but then say, oh, S4C, we're giving them more money, then perhaps campaigners and those in Wales will stay a little quieter when BBC is decimated. But we all know that S4C gets a large amount of money from BBC, so it's not all roses in the garden. So I, I think this isn't new, but it's something that we should be concerned about. Tim, what was your take on the, the announcement? Well, it's nothing new, is it? I mean, there have been strands within the Tory party and beyond that, actually, who have always felt that the licence fee was an unjust tax. You have no choice about it. It's a single rate. Um, it's not a progressive tax in any way. Uh, and politically, have always felt that there's been a left wing bias in the BBC. John Whittingdale, when he was Secretary of State and then as chair of the House of Commons Select Committee, on um, culture, media and sport, was always a, a keen aggressor to the BBC. So this is nothing new, but Bethan's right to put a finger on it, why it's raised its ugly head yet again. And in such a dramatic and forceful fashion from the current Secretary of State, is in a sense to sort of, um, to throw red meat, I think is what they said, to the, uh, to the Tory backbenchers. So you've got your hardline Tories who say, look, this is, this is, this is not a free market. Uh, this is state subsidy and it's state radio and television, which it's not. It's a public service broadcaster. Uh, let's do away with it. And it's, it's a lot of sabre rattling. I think there will be another license fee uh, come the end of the day. But this does look very good. It's the kind of thing that the Tories want to be heard in their constituencies and on the back benches. It is still, though, worrying. And what was your assessment of the reaction to the announcement? There was almost an immediate backtracking from the language of Nadine Dory's initial tweet about it, wasn't it? It almost seems like at some point between her tweeting and her making the statement to the Commons, there was a softening of the language. I just wonder if she'd got her headlines. She'd done the job with it, you know. Um, it's all over all over the newspapers, you know, bang, there we go. It's a distraction technique for 24 hours. Actually, it lasts a bit longer than 24 hours. 
And I think maybe people say, well, 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 we've been down this path before. Actually, some people do like public service broadcasting. So, yes, it was a distraction, and I think it worked. But I still think, you know, even the freeze is going to make a big difference to the BBC centrally, um, when we can talk about their cost base, their talent costs, and, you know, the inherent inefficiency that, that, that I've seen there. But let's not think that this £7.5 million to S4C is, is solidly good news, because if there's a cut to the BBC licence fee, or inflation is eroding it at 5.1% a year, S4C has, since it's been funded by the BBC, taken a similar hit to other BBC services, which, as Bethan quite rightly points out, is unjust because of the massive 36% cut, which was inflicted by Her Majesty's government before they handed the whole shebang over to be run by the BBC. Bethan, do you think the reaction to the announcements does show the public support for public service broadcasting, though? Do you think that this was basically an announcement to satisfy the Conservative Party membership rather than the public at large? It was uh, to an extent, but I think that for me, now I'm outside of politics, it's also a reflection of the anger that people feel towards Boris Johnson's government. And so it was at a time when people were, were already annoyed with some of the happenings at number 10. And then everybody saw through it pretty fast. And I think that's why you saw the backtracking, um, because they knew that, that the BBC was being used as a pawn in a very bad way. And yeah, I mean, there are lots of popular programmes on the BBC, and it's not just, as, as Tim said, one channel. You know, we've gone beyond that. There's so many different services. And the BBC are reintroducing some, such as BBC Three. You know, they, they've invested, reinvested, thinking they were going to be having a, a perhaps a nicer time now. But then only to see that that may not be the case. And what really annoys me about um, this particular minister is it doesn't seem to me that she fully understands the landscape. You know, there's no point saying I want to have a conversation if she doesn't at least present some sort of an idea of what she wants to achieve, because she says she doesn't want subscription. Well, what does she want? She says she wants S4C to come up with a formula. I suppose that's one thing I would agree with, because when I was chairing the committee, I would ask S4C, what does more money mean? What does a substantial increase look like to you. And I think sometimes the onus has to go back onto the industries themselves to say, well, how can we change? How can we evolve um, to, to hold ourselves responsible? Bethan, you mentioned uh, Richard Wynne-Jones earlier on, and just wonder if you could expand on that a little bit about what he said about why would broadcasting in Wales be particularly negatively affected if BBC budgets were, were shrunk? Well, because as Tim has said earlier, budgets have been cut for many years in Wales and we rely heavily on public service broadcasting in Wales more than other parts of the UK. Um, and so then that would affect the creative industries, uh, the small independent companies. I was reading today um, that the UK government wants the BBC to be able to sell the, their programming and rights abroad. Well, we know that the independent companies hold those rights, don't we? So it won't be within the gift of the BBC to go willy-nilly to Canada, to Norway and such to sell those rights. That's just not going to be able to happen. And in Wales, we know that it's a complex situation as well with newspapers having closed down, 
hyperlocals and podcasts like yourselves starting up as a way to fill that vacuum. Uh, and so if there are more cuts to the BBC, then we will see less drama again. We'll see less sport again, and we'll see less portrayal of everyday people on our screens, which is something when I was chair, we were fighting against. So we will see that progress going, definitely. Tim, I don't know if you wanted to expand a little on that. I know you've touched on it before, but I think the point about the hit on the wider creative industries is really good. Would you like well, if you look question? at S4C specifically and the BBC to a lesser extent in Wales, you're looking at more than £100 million of investment. Now that's got a multiplier effect, you know. Uh, it's the double duty dollar, as the Americans would call it, that you're spending this money on television programmes. Not only is that money then being spent in the economy, but you're also developing this talent base. And it's, it's you know, you look at, I think it's Da Vinci's Demon, Dr. Who, you know, all these programmes which have come out of Wales and the talent base was here. Now, if that's going to be eroded or cut back. They're just going to drive those trucks back up to London or to the home counties. And you do need quotas as they set on BBC production outside the M25 as Channel 4 have done as well. It's, it's that which is going to be lost as well as, to my mind, more importantly, indigenous programme making. People from Wales talking about Wales to the people of Wales. It's not just news and current affairs. The fact that you have fewer drama series in the English and Welsh language, you know, even down to quiz shows and topical shows and formatted things, we're talking to ourselves. And it is more important in the Welsh context. First of all, because of the uh, devolution deficit, that is 85% of the people of Wales receive their news from sources outside Wales, such as newspapers and your radio and television. So it's doubly important. You know, if you go up to the borders outside Wrexham, say, for example, you know, People won't even know about the health minister in Wales. COVID has helped a little bit, but generally speaking, we need these services even more so than someone in the north or the south of England. Tim, you did a, a really good article in the, the National on this, this whole issue, uh, and in particular, you know what it means for the future of S4C. We just explored there the creative industries, but are there any other particular points specifically on S4C and the importance of that station and all it does in the Welsh language, which we should really try and highlight here. Well, it is interesting. I've had a, a range of uh, a critiques of that article. Uh, one of them on Twitter, which said, you know, that, that Welsh speakers are already spoiled, that it's exclusive, uh, that they're building an empire for themselves. Absolute rubbish. When I was there, more than 30% of the viewers of S4C's main channel were non-Welsh speakers. My sister-in-law in Patalbert loves Pobla Cum with subtitles. You want to watch the Welsh Premier League? S4C is the only channel which puts it on with an English language commentary paid for by commercial monies, not public monies. So S4C is much bigger than just a range of services. You look at the stuff they're doing online for young people, kids who see Welsh as a school subject, and outside, they can have a laugh through Hanch or Gareth, the orangutan from North Wales. You look at the educational programmes they do, the uh, learners, uh, Welsh learners services which they offer, all that kids stuff in the morning. And when people go on about zero uh, viewing figures, they don't understand that they don't record children under the age of four who are the target audience of those programmes. So... What S4C does and what it means to people who speak Welsh or not is far more and it has a far greater reach than perhaps even BBC Wales does within Wales. 
Bethan, what do you think the impact on the Welsh language would be should we lose those kind of services such as SLC and Radio Camry? You know, obviously, we don't want any more cuts because we've seen, as I said earlier, and as Tim has outlined, diminution of many of the programmes that we've grown up with. And I think that also in terms of reaching the million, and when I was chairing the committee, I also chaired the committee in relation to the Welsh language. At that point, SOC was saying, well, we want to be part of the conversation to provide more tools and programming to help the Welsh government reach that aim. Well, you know, if there's going to be cutbacks, can SOC do that? Can BBC Radio Cymru, uh, BBC Cymru View, can they perform that public service role as well, which is to educate uh, the nation to, a, to an extent? So, you know, and also we've got to think about the fight that it's been for so many years to even get to this, this stage in our development. Um, you know, people uh, were, were, were climbing um, pylons in the, in the 70s and 80s to try and get to a situation where we had our own channel, where we had our own broadcast. And now we have to have the debate, do we not, about devolving broadcasting, uh, because we cannot simply leave the decision uh, to Conservatives in Westminster who simply do not care about the future of our nation. That's, that's where I sit right now. Don't worry, we will get back to the devolution of broadcasting very, very soon. <laughs> Looking at the funding model then for S4C, it's questionable as to whether a channel like S4C could survive without public funding. As Tim put in his article, I believe, it is the definition of public service broadcasting in Wales. Is there a way in which a channel like S4C could be future-proofed in terms of funding, in maybe, you know, looking at commercial models, or, or must it be publicly funded, Tim? I think what I said in that article was that it was the product of market failure. There simply aren't enough Welsh speakers who could pay enough to make it work. This idea that you can just Netflixize Welsh language broadcasting is absolute nonsense. You know, you can sell a few programmes here and there, or you can sell the firm fact of formats to, to China. But as Bethan says, that money goes back into Cwmni Da. Then go back into S4C. So it, it's pie in the sky to think that we can we can even start to think about that. So what do we do then in terms of public money? You know, if the BBC has money and it has responsibility for S4C, someone has got to say, this is not just any old BBC service, it's special and should be protected. Uh, and, you know, one of the last things I did there was uh, try to get S4C on the face of the Public Bodies Act. This sounds a bit boring, but bear with me on it. Uh, the most important thing was that we had written into there that the Secretary of State for Culture has responsibility to ensure adequate funding for S4C. Now, I think S4C have pulled a blinder with the 7.5 million for digital services. The only reason I think that they were able to do that and get the Secretary of State, think about it now, to dictate to the BBC, you are spending £7.5 million on this particular service. Now, you know, you could, you could rewrite that as state interference, but I think that's very important. So what I'm saying is that the government has recognised in that act that they do have a responsibility to ensure proper funding for S4C. The debate then moves to where does that money come from? If we're writing off subscription and there may be services on the fringes, say the football, for example, or the rugby podcasts or whatever, but you guys know podcasts don't make money. You know, there may be other streams of income which could, you know, fill the central coffers, but we need to be very creative about that. And interestingly, at the same time as the Secretary of State in England was making these decisions on S4C or making the statements, 
it was then the first minister, Mark Drakeford, who said, and this makes the argument for devolving broadcasting even stronger. Now, my answer to that is, Professor Drakeford, put your money where your mouth is. And I have, I've changed a little bit on this, whereas I used to think that UK government funding, because of what a big bank balance they've got, okay, they're borrowing, but so what? It was quite safe, that funding, because they didn't want to get back to a Thatcherite issue of people climbing masts and destroying constituency offices in the name of the Welsh language and Welsh broadcasting. Okay, so if they're not going to do it, who is going to do it? And if you talk about broadcasting, this particular element of broadcasting, if you're, if you're devolving it, who should have responsibility for funding in it? And I think the Welsh government needs to think very clearly, very hard about what it's saying about what it actually means in practice. Well, yeah, this, this comes up down to, you know, if the Welsh government has changed its mind on, on the devolution of broadcasting, then they have to put some work into that. You know, their department within the Welsh government when I was there only a year ago was very small in dealing with broadcasting issues. And so I didn't feel that they invested a lot of time in putting a strategy in place about what they would want to see um, a future devolved broadcasting wheels to look like. We attempted to put some meat on the bone of that um, as a committee but it's very very difficult when you haven't actually got the main players around the table and I would probably disagree with Tim to an extent about SOC playing a blinder because I think that it's yeah they probably did for themselves but I don't think that that's really helped the wider discussion over broadcasting in Wales because it seems a bit protectionist oh SOC we've got 7.5 million so we're okay but what about the rest what about how things work for the future what about the fact that that money that used to be from the DCMS has gone into the licence fee. Will they see that money in future? We, we don't know what's going to happen past 2027, for example. So we have to get the key players around the table to say, right, what would you want a system to look like if there was no other choice but to have devolution? Because our committee could only agree on de devolving uh, Welsh language uh, uh, broadcasting, whereas, of course, people like myself and others would go further and say, well, we have to look at the whole all uh, balance uh, of things and, and have our own individual um, uh, Ofcom for Wales as well. It wouldn't necessarily have to be Ofcom, it could be a, a new regulator. We, you know, and we would also try and look at how um, hyperlocals are funded through Google, through uh, these big corporations. So I, I think people are too scared still to actually put the detail on things when we can talk and talk and talk about strategies, but you know, what do you want to see happening? And tell us what that looks like, please, First Minister. Or oh, Prime Minister, as he called himself. <laughs> I think Esposi is a good place to start, though, Beth. And I hear what you say, that it might be selfish to think of it in isolation. If you could crack the ice with that, you might be getting somewhere. In terms of devolving broadcasting, you and I had the discussion, I think it might have even been an argument some years ago, before you were a committee chair, that what do you mean? You know, the balkanisation of the BBC, I think the term was. I don't get this from the Tories. The BBC is one of the most British unifying things we've got. Think state funerals, think Olympics and, and, and World Cups, think the Dimblebees and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't get that on a cultural level, you know, because I'm a great believer in the BBC. However, what do you do then if you split 6%, say population-wise, of the licence sphere and you say to the Welsh Government, here we go, you run it. All right, what do we do then? Well, you've got to buy EastEnders, mate. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And you've got to buy that um, World Cup coverage. Oh, okay. 
How much is left to Welsh programmes? Up to you, mate. And this is the danger. And, and I would, you know, I'd be really like someone to help me with that because I think that's difficult. I agree with you, it's not a whole picture going on and on about S4C. And I hated the way, you know, discussion of broadcasting always goes down to S4C, you know. S4C is important, yeah, but it's not the whole picture. But I really would be interested in just some, some ideas of how you could do the rest. I mean, ITV, uh, very clever, extending their news programme to an hour, you know, the very week that the BBC is giving a real kick in the stomach. How clever to say, we're a public service broadcaster. We don't cost you a penny except for due prominence on the, uh, on the, on the electronic programme guide. Really good stuff. So I would be interested in what you can do with the rest, whether it's feasible uh, with uh, public service broadcasting in the commercial setting, whether Channel 4 should be doing more. I think they do uh, a lot of good stuff from Wales, usually mentioning it. My sister in Ireland says, God, why, does, why is Channel 4 obsessed? Channel 4 News obsessed with Wales. I think it's good fun. But the BBC, I think, does pose a much bigger problem in terms of how you would actually devolve that. You're going to hate me now, Tim, because I'm going to go straight back to FOC. But we've talked so much about the 7.5 million that's gone into SOC's digital platforms. Is this enough to revolutionize their product or is it just about keeping them in the game, keeping them up to up to scratch with other providers that we are also accustomed to now? I think it was uh, clearly, clearly ring fence for digital services and for platforms, wasn't it? So that was their argument that we need to compete in the digital world. Uh, what does that mean? Does it mean more bite-sized stuff? Um, does it mean more education, more young people stuff? I do hope so, uh, because that's that's the way to attract them and to keep them. Here they got this problem with the Welsh language that, you know, when kids leave school at 16 or 17 or 18, they forget it. It's not cool. And even when you're in school, it's a bit crap, really, isn't it? It's a school lesson. So you need to get something a little bit more sexy, a little bit more digital, a little bit smaller size, YouTube-ish to do it. Uh, so is that 7.5 million a fig leaf? But what about old men like me now who still want to watch high quality drama uh, on a Sunday night? You know, the, the scripts are good, the acting's good, the sets are poor, there are no night scenes, there are few crowd scenes, you don't get many stunts. Talk to my friends who, who work with Pobola Kum, you know, the budgets are so small, they've even cut back the number of episodes. And I think that's down to money as well. So, you know, it's not, it's not really enough. Uh, Beth, I made the point, 7.5 million, when you've taken like 30 something million from them uh, years ago. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really hopeful for the digital stuff, uh, but let's not forget people over the age of 25 as well. I just say as well, um, when I was chair, you know, we had S4C in quite a lot to give evidence and they would say to us, well, we've actually spent our current budgets on digital, even though our remit doesn't actually um, qualify for us to use it in that way. So to be devil's advocate, they probably overspent on other budgets on digital and this is to supplement what they have already spent in that area so i mean yes it's being portrayed as new money but they they, they are doing things digitally they want to expand on that because the, the youth element is still something this they struggle with but not because they're not trying but again as tim said because the finances haven't been there i'm i'm longing for a day when they put the back catalogue of cardiff uh, on click. Um, as long as I get that, I'm pretty happy. But um, <laughs> it's been put to me that part of the problem with, with S4C is it doesn't necessarily provide 
the volume of pro- and variety of programming that modern consumers feel should be customary in a channel or a streaming service if you look at how most people consume their media nowadays do you think that that is almost a more of an existential threat to the service than its funding formula that perhaps the the demand isn't there because people can so easily go on to their streaming services for as you you know these the flashy tv dramas with lots of night scenes well i i think you've got to look at, at, at s4c like going into a restaurant you know you pick up an a la carte menu you're not having everything on the menu you pick and choose beth and maybe a vegetarian Matthew may like pasta, you know, I might be a, a meat and two veg man. It's got to be all things to all men. Um, and, and that is difficult. Having said that, having said that, isn't that exactly what we have now? When I watch um, on catch up almost every time, the high class drama, you know, it's usually on personal recommendation. When I watched Enid and Lucy on uh, an S4C, it's because I saw it trailed and people were praising it on Twitter. It is a pick and mix now. You know, the, 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 the lucky thing about for the BBC is they seem to have enough platforms and enough channels that you can go there. I mean, BBC Three was the one I really enjoyed. You know, it wasn't aimed at me. But Family Guy was a, was a staple, you know, wasn't even British made, for goodness sake. And it's a bit extravagant, isn't it, to have a channel where you can experiment, I think they said. s doesn't have that option. So... <laughs> You know, am I switching in on at seven o'clock and leaving it on until midnight? I'm not. Some people do, though. Some people do that um, because they're more comfortable listening to stuff in Welsh, even stuff they're not interested in. Will I watch Nos on Lawen? No. I'll watch the football. Yeah. Is there a comedy on there? Give me some standard. Give me Tidur Owen. Yeah, I will actually make that appointment viewing or catch it on ketchup. So I'm not sure whether um, I agree with the basis of your question, to be honest with you, because I don't I don't think any of us. Um, actually watch a whole channel all the time and it, it serves us all. Beth, and isn't that a bit of the problem though? It's the the sort of catch-22 nature of how we consume media. You kind of want more variety, but you've got to then also understand the, the market factors at play. You, you can't have everything you want from one place. And it is, you know, I, I, I know we've talked about radio and, and Cymru but it is one place in terms of a channel, is it not? You know, other countries would have more than one channel to serve their populations, um, public service or not. And, you know, Netflix has driven up the cost of drama by 30%. You know, how are they going to be able to compete when, you know, S4C are only just announcing that they're making a film for the first time in so many years? So, you know, we, we have to cut them some slack in that regard. And I think, you know, as Welsh speakers, and people who are involved in the discussion, we will understand, but it's attracting, like Tim said, people who, you know, don't necessarily speak Welsh, but we want them to get onto the channel. We still have the purists who don't want to have, you know, the English and Welsh juxtaposed on any programmes, even though that's the reality we live in. You know, we've got to think to the future as well about the fact that it has to diversify and how that then looks in the future. And I mean, you know, not just in the people on the screens, uh, but the quality and the, the type of programming that it offers. It, you know, just because we've had Pablo come there for the last 40 years doesn't mean that it has to be there for the next 40 years. You know, there's a protectionism in Wales. You know, people won't like me saying it, but, you know, I have to, I think, because that might leave space for something new to come through because there is only so much money in the pot. It can only go so far. So 
perhaps that does have to be part of the conversation. Yes, I might be a vegetarian, but I might want to have tofu one night and I might want to have, you know, a, a veggie burger the other night. So, you know, that's the, that's the type of discussion I think we have to have when the budgets are shrinking. I think we should talk about cookery programmes the way this thing's going. But um, <laughs> what extent do you think that the UK government is thinking about things uh, wider than what we've talked about so far? So BBC Radio and regional news in their plans? Well, again, you know, it comes back to the first answer that I gave. I mean, there was already, you know, cuts. I was looking before I came here tonight. £80 million pounds, uh, um, savings were made before. Um, and, you know, news in Wales has been cut on many uh, levels. So this isn't a new conversation in terms of cuts. It will just mean that there will be more of it. Um, and that means then we will be in an even bigger uh, democratic deficit. And this is so many years after devolution. I mean, it's criminal in a way. You know, we've become the Senate, uh, and yet we may see even more cutbacks to the very journalistic quality that we need to see progressing here in Wales. No, we can't rely solely on the BBC. Yes, we have to look at other channels, ITV and so but you know please you know this is the cornerstone isn't it isn't it is it not you know we've really got to look at that so you know whatever the welsh government does is going to be small fry in comparison you know the 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 um journalistic uh fund that i campaigned for and and, and got from welsh government is small you know that's not going to do very much golog 360 that's a small budget um so we must be worried about the journalism um potential cuts to journalism they haven't announced anything so i don't want to scare manga but you know if you're going to see re real term cuts you're going to probably see that in the newsrooms as well i think there is a danger that the bbc does pick off the easiest things like a regional and television and local radio i spent two and a half very happy years around the regions of england as a radio reporter and you'd be amazed at the gratitude people have and the relationship you have chip they have with their local radio station you know i was at bbc radio manchester big city radios and bbc radio bristol and they go on to bbc solent um out of southampton or um radio bedfordshire and and this is it serves a really important audience and it costs next to nothing to run these radio stations and i'd hate to think that that was being lost I remember many years ago, Hugh Edwards on, on, a, on a podium in Aberystwyth with the Celtic Film Festivals, and a guy from Cornwall saying, you know, it's not fair. We don't have any money to make television programmes in Cornwall. And Hugh just said, you want to get yourself some devolution, mate. And I just thought it was a really good answer. And um, while we're, 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 we're wringing our hands, gnashing our teeth at all this, we're in a, at the moment, we're in a fairly good situation compared with the regions of England. Uh, and there are places with, with great regional identity, you think Yorkshire, um, the Northwest around Manchester and Liverpool, you know, uh, that have got some good programming coming out of them. ITV is spending tens of millions on their regional news services. Big mistake that Ofcom allowed them to cut back uh, their news and, and region, uh, regional current affairs. But I think, you know, celebrating the, the, the English regions as well, uh, and Scotland have got a different uh, e ecology too, um, I think it, it's really important. And I hate for those to go because they're easy to get rid of, you know. If you want, I can go through, it's not my job, you know, where perhaps the BBC is, is super serving people, you know. What on earth is Radio 3 for, for example? Why have we got BBC 2 and BBC 4? 
are they not the same thing? Um, you know, and they've got a cost. Again, uh, BBC Three on, on you know, um, moving back from online onto terrestrial television. Uh, never mind the talent costs at the top there. There is no market for speech radio um, journalists. Let's be brutally honest. You know, if they want to go to LBC, they go. If they don't, they're at the BBC. Your choice. But, uh, you know, there are, there are ways of, of making programmes cheaper. Um, you could lose some services. To impose a 5% blanket cut every year uh, on every programme, I think, would be disastrous as well. Um, but maybe we, we just need to rethink, as Beth Ann said, you know, in the Welsh context, what we actually want and how we pay for it, you know? One of the interesting things um, I feared this week, and I haven't formulated this question that well, but you might have come across it in the committee work and, Tim, in your wider media work, but I, I had a really good, really articulate argument by obviously someone in the, the commercial media sector in the UK who was saying he thinks that anything along these lines to commercialise the BBC will actually hit negatively the commercial sector there's there's not a huge demand from those funded by advertisement to to lose advert revenue to what could be uh an advertising seeking bbc you know have either of you looked at that at all do you think that will hit the commercial sector in any way well there's only one cake isn't there of advertising money all you're talking about is cutting it in a different way and if you cut it in a way for the BBC, then your um, ITVs of this world and Channel 4 uh, and your, your Sky services are going to have less, aren't they? So <laughs> there's not going to be more money just because you, you commercialise the BBC's elements of it. So, so I think that would be a mistake, whether or not they can promote more programme sales and format sales. That's what you know, BBC Worldwide is there to do, and they, and they do make a profit, you know, and, and they do great stuff in BBC Studios as well. You know, I, I, I'm not a stick in the mud and say you can't commercialise anything, but I, I think at that specific point that you made there, uh, I go back to this business, there is uh, a finite amount of advertising money to be had, and all you're doing is splitting it in different ways. Jonathan, did the, when you were chair of the committee, did they look at the, the commercial side of um, broadcasting in Wales and how that might be impacted in anything that we do? We didn't look at, you know, the, the, the intricacies of if, you know, BBC wasn't funded by uh, the licence fee, you know, and if it was funded by advertising or subscription, what would that look like? We, 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 didn't, um, we didn't do that. What we did look at more was the intellectual properties, um, as I talked about earlier, because I think that's a really, you know, interesting point, only because Nadine Noctoris has made such a big thing of it as to her concept of what could work um, is for um, BBC to 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 make revenue that way um yes you know that the independent companies will be able to bring money back into the economy locally but it's not going to go into the pot for the bbc so you know how then are the bbc going to be able to make that money you know if they're going to be splitting costs or advertising and um, that's not going to be realistic so we didn't look at that element in detail but we we certainly looked at you know talking to tack and others about you know, how they felt they could do more in terms of selling what they have. But, you know, again, you've got to be making different types of programmes so that they're attractive to the international market and thinking creatively about how you do that. You know, Bang has now been sold uh, to, to America, um, but that's taken time 
because I know the, the man who, who made the programme. So it's not something you can just click and sell overnight, like Nadine Dory seems to be suggesting. It takes a lot of work to get these negotiations uh, correct and to, to make them work. So I don't know it, if she really understands what's happening, to be honest. <laughs> there, there are models of public service broadcasters which have got a licence fee and advertising. Uh, the RT is, has got it. And, and I don't think that's a problem. The trouble then, of course, is you'd have in this same argument in 10 or 20 years' time, they said, well, you've got some advertising, you know, let's take away the license fee because it is unjust or because we don't like your journalism. So, you know, that there are these are the kind of hard decisions you've got to make. I remember Bethan in one of one of our meetings uh, when you were a backbencher, uh, Rodri Williams, who is now chair of S4C, said, look, if you want to increase S4C's budget, there's one really simple way of doing it. You bring all the production back in-house, you save 15 yeah. percent on the management fee and the profit that the independent companies are taking. It'll never happen <laughs> because, you know, we want that, that the hundred flowers to, to, to bloom from the different production companies. And also because you want a, a vibrant industry, which is making money, not just um, from S4C, but from other commercial partners too. So, uh, if you look at the sacred cows advertising on the BBC, you know, um, taking production back in house and doing away with quotas for independent companies, uh, you know, maybe we just need to look at, at, at smashing um, some of these sacred cows. One of the things you've both mentioned is Welsh government and funding that's available. Do you think should this go in the worst possible direction um, in Wales and we're looking at a very different policy approach from the two governments. Do you think that there is a likelihood of Welsh Government putting significantly more money in to make sure what we have is continued, or do, do you think that's beyond what they'd be able to do? Well, I don't think they're going to be putting money into um, the BBC in any realistic way unless they had uh, funding that would be devolved to Wales to, to see that happening but I think they can do it in different ways as as I've said earlier about the hyperlocals money has gone into that but it was you know 100,000 in one year another 100,000 in the next year I'm not sure what's happening with that now that I'm out of the political domain um, and obviously they are in talks with us we'll see about what they do in terms of the million speakers but that's more to do with you know, what type of programming would help in that regard. It, they can't mandate S4C uh, to, to do anything that would achieve that policy aim. It would be S4C coming to the table saying, yes, we can do that. And then many that, it, that they give to um, people like the Welsh Books Council and such for um, online websites like Golo 360. You know, can they be more creative in, within their department to think what, what more can we fund? Um, can we talk to the Googles of this world to see if we can get some some revenue from them to fund local journalism, for example, you know, what more can we do there? So that, that's where I think that they can work harder, but that's only if there's a will, you know, we had to fight for that fund to even exist. So now that Mark Drakeford has said that, well, you know, let's hope the committee uh, under Delft Jewel's uh, chairmanship um, and uh, the, the, the Welsh government, now that they're in, in talks with Plaid Cymru as well, can come up with some clear, new, creative plans um, that, that can go some way to perhaps devolution, more devolution to the back door, should I say. Unionists don't like that. <laughs> um, what can, what, if anything, can the Welsh government do to safeguard Welsh media then? We've talked about 
devolving broadcasting as something that's possibly beyond their power at the moment, devolution through the back door, maybe viable as Bethan said, but what can the Welsh government do that's within their power to, to really safeguard the future of Welsh media? Well, I think Bethan's put a finger on something very important here. We're still talking about channels and programmes rather than services uh, and the like, and that maybe hyperlocal, this kind of stuff, we're moving away from the old traditional forms of viewing and consuming media to different ones. And in that sense, they could, and they could have an element of control without interference. You know, the S4C thing, I think the BBC, they're not going to pay for the BBC anytime soon. You know, if S4C is 100 million a year, you know, maybe with arm's length to ensure that there's due impartiality and nobody's, you know, sort of dictating the state of play, maybe they should put their money where their mouth is, you know, especially if after 2027, the license fee is no more or the BBC is given free reign over S4C funding and say, you know, we just haven't got it anymore. You're going to have to be an opt-out service. We may want to go back to putting Channel 4 programmes on during the day. What a disaster that would be um, for the Welsh language and for Welsh services. But there may be more creative ways of doing it, you know. And I think the Welsh government, this is, this is what gets, gets me, you know, uh, that they say it's made the argument more so. Well, where is this discussion you know, people like Bethan have been pushing it, uh, the argument. Let's have the discussion. Let's decide what we want. What can we do? But for goodness sake, let's pay for some of it ourselves, except for taking the begging bowl, you know, up the M4 every damn time we want something. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for both of you coming on tonight to talk to us. If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, Bethan? Um, at Bethan Jenkins on Twitter, I am. Wonderful. And Tim? At Tim H. Hartley on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook too, if you want to talk to me. I'm Tim Hartley. If not, I'm Tim Hartley, author, and there's bits and pieces about books on there, which is a bit of fun. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for coming to talk to us. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please don't forget to find us on Twitter and Facebook at Hereife Pod. Thank you for listening to Hereife. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.